So I thought it would be fun to read you different memoirs. I have a book of memoirs, so I thought I would read you one a day so that those of you who are interested in memoirs and hearing more examples have some inspiration as you're writing your own. So this first one is called All Ball. It's by Mary Pope Osborne. And by the way, all of these that I am reading are written by famous writers. And you'll have to excuse the noise in the background because there's construction happening all around me. Here we go. All Ball by Mary Pope Osborne. I remember the first time I got really bad news. I was eight years old and my family was living in white wooden army quarters at the edge of a thick pine forest in Fort Eustis, Virginia. All my life we had lived on military posts and I loved them. I loved the neat lawns, clean streets, trim houses, and starched uniforms. I loved parade bands, marching troops, green jeeps, tanks, and transport trucks. I loved having military police at the entrance gate. When I was four, I dreamed that the MPs guarding the gate chased away a couple of ghosts that tried to come onto our post. It is one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had, and to this day, it makes me feel good to remember it. Living on an army post in those days was so safe that in all the summers of our lives, the children of our family were let out each morning like dandelions to the wind. My teenage sister went off with her friends while my brothers and I filled our time playing with our toy soldiers, including my favorite, a small silver statue of General Omar Bradley. We played maneuvers by carrying large cardboard boxes around the parade field, stopping every hundred yards to bivouac by making grass spreads and napping inside our boxes. At five o'clock, when the bugle played and the flag was lowered, we went home. Our return was often punctuated by the joyous sight of our dad stepping out of a chauffeured military car, his arms raised to embrace us. But one night when I was eight, bad news changed everything. I remember my dad was helping me prepare my bath. I was sitting on the edge of the tub while the water ran, and dad was standing in the doorway wearing his summer khaki uniform. Sis, he always called me sis or little bits. In six weeks, daddy is going to Korea. I looked at him and burst into tears. I knew we wouldn't be going with him. Though the Korean War had ended eight years earlier, U.S. soldiers were still sent there for tours of duty without their families. Don't cry, he said. I'll only be gone for a year. Only a year? While I'm gone, you'll live in Florida, in Daytona Beach, near the ocean. Daytona Beach? Away from an army post? You'll have a wonderful time. No, I won't. I hated this news. And to prove it, I pushed him out of the bathroom. Of course, I was right and he was wrong. A few weeks later, when Dad drove our family to Daytona Beach to get us settled, I didn't find our new life wonderful at all. Our house was low to the ground, flamingo pink and made of stucco. There were no kids in the whole neighborhood. There were no real trees in our small yard, just a few scrubby ones. There was no wide open parade field to play on. I recoiled from this new life, especially when I discovered lizards scampering across our cement driveway, a huge water bud bug scuttling across the floor of the TV room, and a gigantic black spider hovering over the corner of the garage. Such monsters didn't exist on army posts. Neither did the crazy variety of houses, the litter, the tawdry seaside billboards. Adding to the trauma of adjusting to life off a military post was the awareness that my dad was leaving in just three weeks. 
At first, I tried to manage my grief by taking a little time out of every day to cry. In those days, I was very organized. I kept a daily list of things to do, like wash hands, play with dolls, practice writing, practice running. I added cry for daddy to the list. But as I counted down the days till his departure, I began to cry even when it wasn't scheduled. Worse, I abandoned the other things on my list to keep a watch on my dad. I studied everything he did, from buying a vanilla ice cream cone at the Dairy Queen to playing catch with my brothers, because I felt I had to store up enough memories of him to last through the coming year. The pressure became unbearable and soon forced me into the strangest relationship of my life. Just thinking about this relationship now can bring tears to my eyes. Was it with a wonderful girl, boy, grown-up, dog, cat, parakeet? No, it was with a ball. About two weeks before Dad left, he took my brothers and me to a Rose's Five and Dime store. He gave us 50 cents each to buy whatever we wanted. This is the most precious 50 cents I will ever spend, I thought. Slowly, I wandered to the rows of comics, coloring books, plastic dolls, and bags of candy, looking for an object worthy of the last 50 cents my father gave me before he went to Korea. When I came to the ball section, I saw, amidst a variety of balls, a truly unique specimen, a nubby rubber ball, bigger than a softball and smaller than a kickball. It was made up of swirling pastel colors, pink, blue, green. I picked up the ball and bounced it. It was the best bouncing ball I'd ever encountered. Barely did it touch the wooden floor before it sprang back into my hands. The ball felt friendly, spunky, and vibrant. It had such a positive and strong personality that I named it before we even got home. All Ball. For the next 12 days, All Ball and I were inseparable. I bounced him on the driveway and on the sidewalk. Standing apart from everyone, deep in my own world, I bounced him for hours. And while I bounced, I talked to myself. I invented stories, not dramatic stories of high adventure, but stories about ordinary families, families in which everyone stayed together and everyone was safe and secure. In these families, there was perfect order. The children all had names that began with the same letter, David, Danny, and Doris, Paul, Peter, and Patsy, Anne, Alice, Adam, and Ace. I gave the children ages, personalities, and dialogue. I played all the parts. I was John joking with Jane, Jane laughing with Jack, Adam telling a story to Ace, Alice describing her school outfits to Anne. I lived in different families, morning, afternoon, and twilight. I could only create these worlds with Allball's help. His sprightly, joyous attitude gave me confidence. The sound of his rhythmic bounce banished my fears. His constant presence eased the sorrow of Dad's leaving. In fact, whenever Dad tried to engage me in conversation or play, I turned away from him. I stopped paying attention to him altogether. I had fallen in love with a ball. Though everyone in my family must have thought my behavior odd, they adjusted quickly. Within a day or two, they were treating Sis's ball sort of like a family pet. No one, however, was fully aware of the depth of my attachment until the morning all ball was destroyed. It was a hot, bright July morning, just two days before Dad was to leave for Korea. I was outside before everyone else, bouncing all ball on the sidewalk, inventing a family with a neat number of years between each child. 
I like the children to be 10, 8, 6, 4, boy, girl, boy, girl, John, Jane, Jed, Joy. While I was bouncing all ball in the early warm air, a small black dog wandered down the sidewalk to see what was up. A little dog I paid no attention to until it was too late. And then everything happened so fast I couldn't stop it. I fumbled a bounce. The black dog charged and grabbed all ball in his mouth. He punctured the rubber skin with his teeth, then shook the deflated ball with glee, tearing it to pieces. I started to scream. I screamed and screamed. Everyone rushed out to their yards, old people from all the quiet, lonely houses. My parents, brothers, sister. I couldn't stop screaming as I ran around, picking up all the torn patches of all ball. I clutched them to my chest and howled at the top of my lungs. My mother explained to the neighbors that my ball had popped. My brothers and sister watched me in horror, my father in confusion. We'll get you another ball, he said. He couldn't have uttered crueler words. There was no other ball like all ball, not in the whole world. Not with his spirit, his bounce, his steadfastness. I screamed no with such rage that everyone retreated. I ran inside and, clutching the pieces of all ball, I went to bed, yelling at everyone to leave us alone. I kissed the pastel-colored nubby skin and sobbed and sobbed. I did not get up all day. I grieved for the death of all ball with all the grief my eight years could muster. I was brought lunch, cool drinks, newspaper comics, wet washcloths for my head, children's aspirin, but nothing worked. I could not get up. I would not let go of the torn pieces of the ball. At twilight, I could hear the family having dinner in the living room. My mother had the decency to allow me to work out my sorrow on my own. I don't think she even allowed anyone to laugh. As light faded across my room, I could hear sprinklers spritzing outside, an old woman calling to her cats. By now, my eyes stung and were nearly swollen shut. My throat burned. My heart had not stopped hurting all day. Little bits? My father stood in the doorway. He was holding a ball. It was mostly white with a little bit of blue. I moaned and turned my face to the wall as he walked toward the bed. You won't let me give you this new ball, he said. No, I said, gasping with another wave of grief. Just go away. This ball's pretty nice, he said. Closing my eyes, I shook my head emphatically, furious that he did not understand the difference between the ball he held and all ball. I hate it, I screamed. Go away. He didn't. He sat on the edge of the bed, but I would not look at him. My burning eyes stared at the wall. My body was stiff with anger. I like your barrette, he said softly. He was referring to a pink Scotty dog barrette locked down onto my tangled hair. I didn't speak. He cleared his throat. I hope you'll wear that the day I come home. I blinked. The truth was, I hadn't thought much about his coming home, only about his leaving. I'll bring you a ring when I come back, he said. I didn't move, just blinked again. What kind of ring would you like? I mumbled something. What? he asked. A pearl, I said hoarsely. A pearl ring. Okay, on the day I come home, I'll bring you a pearl ring and a music box. How's that? I'll hide in the bushes, and when you ride up on your bike home from school, I'll jump out and surprise you. How's that? He cleared his throat again. 
I turned just a little to look at him. I saw he had tears in his eyes. I didn't want him to feel sad, too. That was almost worse than anything. I reluctantly rolled over onto my back. I looked at the ball he held. It was a stupid ball, no doubt about that. But I mumbled something about it being pretty. Will you play with this one, he said. I touched it with my finger. I let out a quivering sigh, then nodded, accepting the complications of the moment. Allball would know that he could never be replaced, ever. He was the one and only ball for me. But I could pretend to like this other one, even play with it for Dad's sake. He handed me the white ball, and I embraced it and smiled feebly. He smiled back. Come eat some dinner with us now, he said. I was ready. I wanted to leave my room. The light of day was nearly gone. Come on. He helped me off the bed, and clutching pieces of all ball along with the new white ball, I joined my family. My dad left soon after that. We entered a new school. Ball bouncing was replaced with friends, homework, and writing letters to Korea. Still, and this is weird, I'll admit, I slept with a torn piece of all ball under my pillow for the next year until after my dad came home. I hope that you enjoyed All Ball by Mary Pope Osborne. I also hope you noticed the powerful symbolism. Yes, this was a story about the ball, but what did the ball symbolize? What, what did it represent? I'd love to hear your thoughts, digging deep into what, what that ball, Mary's All Ball, what did that represent in her life? And why was she so upset when it popped? I'm looking forward to hearing your responses.